Brothers, sisters, listen, if you're bent on vengeance right now, you need to commit that to Jesus. And you need to trust that the God who does all things well will be able to exact the vengeance necessary. But that's also why Jesus said we should pray for our enemies. Because how much better is it for God to save an enemy than it is for God to destroy an enemy? Revenge sounds great, doesn't it? When someone wrongs you, the first thought is typically how you can get back at them, how you can make them suffer like you did. But Pastor Daniel reminds you that this isn't what Christ has called you to. As a follower of Jesus and someone who wants to show him more accurately to the world, you need to be a person of peace. Jesus calls you to love your enemies and to even pray for them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Esther chapter 8 as he continues his message, Salvation. I think it's important to note at this point that our Bible tells us that we should be peacemakers, that we should live peaceably with all people when it's within our power. And I I think we have to remember that in the world that we live in because God wants us to make peace in every way possible. But when we can't, then God wants us to protect ourselves. Protecting ourselves and exacting vengeance are two different things, though, brothers and sisters. They're two different things. God's desire for us is that at all costs, we try and make peace. But when we can't make peace... God wants us to protect ourselves, but not exact vengeance. Why? Because the Bible says, vengeance is whose? The Lord's. And you and I can live differently than other people by knowing the line to protect ourselves and not be vengeful because we trust in a God who ultimately will repay. We don't have to exact vengeance because we trust that God will. And so it doesn't say they're allowed to go out and just kill whoever they want to because they almost got killed, and so now they're allowed to do whatever they want because they're just thinking hot mad. It's not that. They're allowed to protect themselves. And brothers and sisters, you're allowed to protect yourself. But you got to ask yourself, are you trying to exact vengeance from somebody? Did somebody hurt you, and now you're bent on showing them how hurt you are? No matter what they did, Their sin is theirs. Our sin is ours. Brothers, sisters, listen. If you're bent on vengeance right now, you need to commit that to Jesus. And you need to trust that the God who does all things well will be able to exact the vengeance necessary. But that's also why Jesus said we should pray for our enemies. Because how much better is it for God to save an enemy than it is for God to destroy an enemy. When God saves somebody who has wronged you 
by God's grace, they become a family member. That's so much better than just destroying somebody who's hurt us. So much better. Why? Because God didn't destroy us when we were enemies of him. He hasn't done that. He has gone to extraordinary lengths to save us. The beauty of this is with this decree, if nobody lifts a hand against the Jewish people, guess what? Nobody gets hurt. Like this literally, this whole crisis could be averted with absolutely nobody getting hurt at all. It's not going to happen that way, but nobody gets hurt. We have to make sure, brothers and sisters, that we are not men and women seeking to exact vengeance. And you have to say, Spirit of God, search my heart. Because you know what? It's like our hearts are pretty, pretty wicked, ain't they? Some of the stuff in our hearts just pretty messed up. And the beauty is, is God knows that our hearts are messed up. And God says, look, your heart is messed up, but I'm, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to come and I'm going to convict you of it so that you bring it to me so that I can change your heart. See, we need to be aware of what's in there so that we can say, Lord, you see what's in there. Can you do a work here? And the Lord's like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. I, I, I'm a perfect heart surgeon. So if you got wickedness in your heart, and you do, because we all do, I definitely do, you know, we just bring that stuff to the Lord. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. My heart, Lord, do the work you want to do in my heart. And the Lord's like, yes, because he's the great physician. He's got skilled hands. He knows exactly what he wants to do to make you and me more like Jesus, who we really want to be like. All that vengeance, it's destroy, it's hollowing us out on the inside. Don't, don't make the mistake of living a life of vengeance. It only leads to more pain. Trust the Lord with it. So in verse 15, look what it says. It says, so Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple. And the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. The Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor and in every promise, province and city, wherever the king's command and decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. Then many of the people of the land became Jews because fear of the Jews fell upon them. So you notice now the sharp contrast with Mordecai. Remember back in chapter 4, Mordecai, when he found out about the decree, he was in sackcloth and ashes and he was wailing. Now we have Mordecai arrayed in royal apparel, blue and white, all these different things. So we see this huge contrast. Notice we find that the Jews, they have light and gladness, joy and honor. These are the antithesis of the four words that we had in chapter four, verse three, mourning, fasting, weeping and wailing. So we find a complete change, total contrast. What does it teach us? It teaches us that righteousness exalts. That's what it teaches us. That righteousness exalts. Now, Mordecai was a righteous man by all accounts. Everything we have about Mordecai here in the story of Esther is that he was a a good guy. He looked out for the king. He raised Esther as his own daughter. 
you know, all this different stuff. He was always looking out for other people, right? But for a time in his righteousness, Mordecai and his people were really struggling. They were under death sentence. All this stuff is going on. And you have to remember that ultimately righteousness exalts and sin is a reproach. That's actually Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, right? Righteousness exalts a nation and a sin is a reproach to any people. You and I have to remember that when you follow Jesus, you will act like Jesus. And when you act like Jesus, because Jesus is righteous, we should act in a way that is righteous. But not always when you are living righteously will everything go well for you. Isn't that a challenge when you are doing things the right way? Somebody who's doing things in a shady way is getting farther, making more money, going past you, and you start to struggle. But that's why, of course, God in his word gave us Psalm 73. Remember, Asaph saw the prosperity of the wicked, and it says that his foot almost slipped. He almost gave in to the ways of the world, but then it says, then he remembered their latter end when he came into the temple. And he realized that although they seem to be prospering now, ultimately, sin will not prosper. And it's an encouragement for you and for me to take the steady and long road of living rightly before the Lord, because the Lord ultimately will work everything out. See, Mordecai, in his righteousness, he could be like, Lord... I'm taking care of the king, and now he signs this, this decree against me and my people, and I'm, I'm trying to do everything right, and look at what's happening. And I believe some of you right now feel that way. Like, I'm doing everything as best I understand by the Bible when everything's falling apart. Listen, ultimately, righteousness will exalt. It will. But notice I say ultimately and not seemingly always. And that's where we struggle. Don't stop doing what you know to be right because if you take a shortcut, other people are getting where you want to get to quickly. Don't make that mistake. Eugene Peterson calls discipleship the art of learning to follow Jesus, a long obedience in the same direction. I really feel that for some of us right now, you're thinking about taking a quick out. Don't do it. You might get to where you want to get to, but ultimately, God will honor and exalt righteousness, and he will humble those who are wicked. That's what our Bibles teach us. And this section here, it really shows the complete role reversal. You get a lot of this in the Gospels, don't you? Like the first will be last, and the last will be first. Take the lowest seat, and then You'll get moved up, but if you take the high seat, you will be up. See, it's that upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. God asks us to simply respond to Jesus and follow him, and we entrust exaltation and blessing to the Lord, and we receive whatever God gives us from his hands, and we say, thank you. We learn how to endure hardship with perseverance. We learn how to steward blessings with grace. That's what God wants to do in our lives. But we need to be steady on. We need to not cut corners because ultimately righteousness exalts. And we see that here. And we even see that the witness now of 
what had gone on with Haman and the decree and now Mordecai's exaltation and rise up into power next to the king, we find that people in the city started to become Jews. They started to convert because God's favor on his people as displayed by this change of actions, now people are like, hey, I want to be in on that. Powerful, isn't it? Now, as you move into chapter 9, we see what's going to happen here. So look at what, look at what it says. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the 13th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred, in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all their provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all people. And all the officials of the provinces, the satraps and the governors, and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword with slaughter and destruction and did what they pleased with those who hated them. And in Shushan, the citadel, the Jews destroyed and killed 500 men. Also, Parshatatha, Dalphon, Ashpatha, Poratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parmashta, I was going to say Parmesan anyway, <laughs> Arisai, Aridai, and Vajasatha, I don't know if that's right. I just rolling with it. I had a lot of these this last week at Crossroads, haven't I? The ten sons of Haman, the sons of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, they killed, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. So we find that on that day, all the Jewish people got together to protect themselves, and we find out that in Shushan, where they were, five hundred people were killed including the 10 sons of Haman. Now, what does this teach us? That no weapon shall prosper. That's what we learn. That no weapon fashioned against us will prosper. So it's the day that the original decree went out. The Jewish people got together. No weapon fashioned against the Jewish people would ultimately prosper. And we find that they got together in Shushan where where they were, 500 people. And of course, that phrase, no weapon shall prosper. That's from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. No weapon is going to prosper against the people of God. It might seem to, but it won't. Now, what's interesting is 500 people did in Shushan the Citadel raise up to try and kill Jewish people and plunder them. And what's fascinating is among them were the 10 sons of Haman. Now, think about that for a second. Haman was hung by the king on his own gallows, right? And you can imagine on that day, his sons were like, we're going to avenge the death of our father. And they go and they die with their father as well. We have to open our eyes 
Maybe they should have thought to themselves, you know, my dad, he was my dad and I love him, but what he did was just straight up dumb. And if he wasn't being dumb, he'd be here right now. See, but listen, it talks about the heritage of, the, of people, what parents give to kids, what we pass down. And you realize no matter what your heritage is, that in Jesus, Jesus wants to give all of us a brand new heritage. If you have a godly heritage, praise God. But guess what? You still were being raised by dysfunctional parents. And I was like, amen. <laughs> Love you, mom, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's like no matter how great your parents were, they still had issues because they were in process and God's doing a work in their life. But if you're here today and you didn't have a godly heritage, guess what? You get to build a brand new one. Because Jesus, people talk about, you know, a generational curses. Jesus fixes the generational curse problem. He does. He cuts those things right off. There's a brand new heritage. But Haman's sons were cut out of the cloth of their dad, even though they saw the destruction it caused. And I felt led as I prayed about the message just this morning to say, I think for some of you, you're going to commit the sins of your parents, but God doesn't want you to. Like, you're, you're going to head down the road that your parents went down, and God is saying, no, 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 I want to cut that off. I want to give you a brand new heritage if you'll let me. Just because your parents were X, Y, and Z does not mean that you have to be sure. You were raised by them. You're going to have leanings like them. But if they were wrong, Jesus wants to change that in your life. You choose to go down that road. And I believe that for some of you right now, you're standing on the precipice, or maybe you're all the way into the sins of your parents. And God said, no, no, no. I want to cut that off, and I want to leads you in a more excellent way. And you have to come to Jesus and you have to say, Lord, help me. You have to get people around you who will hold you accountable so that you don't have to be like what you didn't like in your parents. You don't have to be that. But the sons of Haman, they just follow their dad. Now, what's interesting is, notice what it says. And it's just like the end of verse 10, this little note, it says, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. You notice that? So even though 500 people who tried to go out against them, the Jewish people didn't want the money. Why? Because it wasn't about material gain for them. It wasn't like, man, if I kill these people, I can take their house, and I like their house better. It's got a beautiful green belt behind them, or whatever their thing was. It's like they didn't want any prosperity from the sin of somebody against them. It shows a window into the heart of the people. Now, look at what it says here in verse 11. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Shushan, the citadel, was brought to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, the Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men in Shushan, the citadel, and the 10 sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you, or what is your further request? It shall be done. Then Esther said, if it pleases the king, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan to do again tomorrow according to today's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done, and the decree was issued in Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day of the month of Adar, 
and killed 300 men at Shushan, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. And the remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives and the rest of their enemies and killed 75,000 of their enemies, but they did not lay a hand on the plunder. This was the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th of the month they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. So we find out on the 13th day of the month when 500 people were killed in Shushan, the king and Esther get together and the king says, okay, so 500 people. I wonder what happened in the rest of the provinces. What else can I do for you? And she says, can we do this again tomorrow? So she says, she says, can we be vigilant tomorrow? Why? That's my point. You and I need to be vigilant. We need to be vigilant. See, The 13th day was the day when all the bad stuff was going to happen. But Esther realizes that, okay, we did good today. But guess what? Tomorrow may not be any easier. So can we protect ourselves again tomorrow? And we find out that they needed to. And brothers and sisters, I want to close with this. I think this is so important. You and I need to live our lives hypervigilantly. Because sometimes we have a victory. And if we let our guard down then we have a crushing defeat. I mean, think about the children of Israel when they went into the promised land. Jericho was a great victory followed right on the hills by the defeat at Ai. You know, oftentimes we have this great moment where we rise on up and we do great and then we let our guard down and then we get slapped around the next day because we think that yesterday's victory is going to ensure today's victory no matter what we do. And I think for a lot of us, especially as it relates to crisis, we make it through a crisis and then we let our guard down and then we get wiped out by the follow-up. How many of us did battle against a sin in Jesus' name and, and didn't end up hitting rock bottom only to let our guard down and slide down to rock bottom slowly anyway? Brothers and sisters, there is a battle for the heart of the people of God. It rages every day. It rages through every situation you find yourself in. Compromise and sin. Desire not born out of the heart of God, but the depths of our own depravity. It's there. And you and I, we need to do battle and be vigilant. It's not like all of a sudden one day, temptation takes the day off. It doesn't take the day off. It's not like Satan who's the enemy of the souls of people. He does his most profound work within the hearts of the people of God because those who aren't following Jesus, he's like, great, I got you where I want you. It doesn't matter how you're there or why you're there. You're exactly where I want you. I don't want you to worship the Lord. And I don't want you to be changed by Jesus Christ. I want you just the way you are. So know what he does? He goes full court press against the people of God. Jesus is... There's plenty of wars waging around the world, but you're already in a battle, a spiritual battle. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded you that this battle is happening all around you. The enemy is fighting hard to take you away from God. You need to defend yourself against his advances. Be ready for the attacks that will come and don't let him gain any ground. Hold fast to your creator, the source of your salvation. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be 
and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will ask you to remember what amazing things God has done in your life. The events surrounding the Israelite salvation in Esther's story are still celebrated today, and for a good reason. It's worth celebrating your Savior. Pastor Daniel will be encouraging you to regularly spend time reflecting on the goodness of your Creator and the love He has for you. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series for such a time. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.